InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. For many, it's hard to imagine a time before the Internet. It's made connecting with others far easier than ever before. Yet our next guest says we've also lost some important things because of the Internet. He's Michael Harris, author of The End of Absence, reclaiming what we've lost in a world of constant connection. Tell us the story behind this book. Why did you write it? Well, two years ago, I was working as an editor at a magazine in Vancouver. And uh, like a lot of people working in magazines, you know, I was experiencing a kind of digital overload. I was sitting at that desk with two screens in front of me and dozens of windows open. And it was leading up to this kind of breaking point where a friend of mine actually texted me. And it had been about five minutes since I got back to him about something. And he was annoyed that it had taken that long. So <laughs> he texts me, are you alive or what? And I remember that moment, actually, just looking down at the phone and then looking up at these glowing rectangles, you know, that I spent all my life staring at. And I read it literally. I read that question, are you alive? And I realized this really isn't it. It's not what I wanted to do with my life. So I ended up quitting my job and began, I guess, exploring the experience of being so drowned in digital communication and what the history of that was. Was it difficult to pull away from the technology and kind of go back in time a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for one of the chapters in the book, I decided to take what I called an analog August. So this was 30 days of no internet and no cell phone. And I kept this kind of pathetic journal, you know, trying to record my experience as I was going through it. And I think while I was going through that, I really realized how deep that addiction is for me. And I think probably for most of us. Michael, I understand at one point you duct taped your phone to your kitchen counter. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was part of that analog August I mentioned. So to turn my cell phone into a home phone, I duct taped one end of my phone to an old curly phone cord and the other end of the cord to the kitchen counter. I was basically trying to return to the technological reality of my childhood, 1985. It was basically this idea that, you know, moments of silence and solitude in our lives, they're not going to come automatically. So you kind of have to hack your own life, like with that duct tape scenario with the phone. You have to engineer absence back into it. Did you find that your relationships with the people who are important to you changed at all during this time? Yeah, you know, for one thing, it's very hard when you're going through, when you're fasting, for example, it's hard not to judge the others who are being gluttonous around you, right? And I think this was a similar experience where... It was hard not to become hyper-aware of that level of connection that my partner and my friends and my family were still indulging in. I think that's a big part of why we become so connected. It's a positive feedback loop with the people around us. There's an expectation of connection. So even when we don't feel like we'd like to check the email, we know that we're expected to check it at least, say, five times a day. In terms of disconnecting, did you feel any fear that you were going to miss out on something? Yeah, I mean, that's what people call the fear of missing out, right? FOMO. And I think FOMO is felt most dearly in our digital lives. You know, there's that old Auden poem called Nightmail, where he's talking about how a village of people, their hearts start to race when they can hear the horse of the mailman arriving at the village. For who can stand to feel themselves forgotten, right? 
that's still us, except in this mightily expanded way. We can't bear the idea of missing out on something, of not being connected to us. I think we're hardwired that way, but our digital technologies are now taking advantage of that hardwiring in the same way that a high fructose food might take advantage of the way you're hardwired to crave sugars and fats. We're talking on InfoTrack with Michael Harris, author of The End of Absence, and we're talking about our constant use of technology and why it's important to be alone with your thoughts once in a while. Michael, short of the grid collapsing, do you ever see people going back to this type of lifestyle that you're advocating? I should begin by saying the book is not anti-technology. It's not arguing that technology is good or evil. It's just saying that technology is dangerous and beautiful in the same way that a knife or a sword. It's extremely useful. We don't want to get rid of these things, but we need to learn how to use them. So what I hope for personally is more education about that history of technology so that future generations who won't have that pre-internet experience to draw from, for whom uh, digital life will just be the air that they breathe, I'm hoping that we build a curriculum of media studies, of technology history for those children so that they're always self-aware, so that they're always critical about their use of technology and they don't let their gadgets use them. I saw a photograph not long ago, a man with a baby stroller at the Apple store. And the infant in the stroller was holding a new iPhone and having a great time with it. Which kind of struck me that the new generation really gets the technology and just accepts it as if it was always there. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's certainly very common now to see infants with cell phones. I mean, you constantly see babies in strollers with iPhones. Why wouldn't they love these things, right? They see their parents loving that phone more than anything else, almost. But this is not a neutral experience for the child to have. The American Academy of Pediatrics, they have actually issued a statement saying infants under two years old should have no screen time at all. And they believe that there are actually negative effects for attention deficit disorder and things like that if we give them screen time. I actually don't know any family that obeys that little rule. But the rule exists nonetheless. You compared this to a fast, and doctors say an occasional fast might be good for us. Would you advocate families perhaps getting away from screen time for a day here and there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer in knowing things by difference. I think that we only really know something when we go away. You know, like if you grow up in Pittsburgh, you don't actually know Pittsburgh until you've gone to Europe or gone to Central America or gone somewhere else. Traveling is what gives us perspective, and I think similarly, traveling through time makes us aware of the time in which we live. That's especially true for our technological reality. So taking, as you're suggesting, a digital detox one day a week, maybe, or even, say, the family's going away to the cabin, taking a whole week where the cell phones are there for safety, because we know we want that, but the cell phones are actually in the glove compartment of the car, and they're there if you need them, but maybe the kids are locked away from them, because... <laughs> They're not going to have the same level of willpower as their parents. You use the words digital detox. Do you think there's an addictive property to all this? You know, there's a lot of neuroscience that's slowly coming together into a consensus around it, but we still know so little about the way the brain works. And I think the word addiction and comparisons between tech addiction and drug addictions are very dangerous because I'm not at all clear that they're the same thing. But we do know that attention deficit goes up when children have an overboard use of screen technology. 
and certainly even among adults. An excess of screen time changes our ability to concentrate and changes even the way that we're able to read a book. So the effects are there and concrete. A lot of them are anecdotal, but a lot of them are also produced in peer-reviewed journals. But that word addiction, I gotta say I'm not sure about it yet, because I think it's a little dangerous to compare it to the way somebody might be addicted to a cigarette or to heroin or something like that. Michael Harris, the author of The End of Absence, Reclaiming What We've Lost in a World of Constant Connection. It's all about reminding us about life before the Internet. And you can learn more at his website, endofabsence.com. Michael, thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.